Welcome to We Are Meaningful, a podcast where we transform the anonymous experiences of Black and Brown talent into powerful audio narratives. Each month, we center the dialogue around a common theme, providing you, our listeners, with the tools and resources you need to help navigate, grow, and thrive in corporate spaces. Our stories, experiences, and our voices are meaningful. We are meaningful. Hi, everyone. This is Crystal. And this is Krista. And welcome to another episode of the We Are Meaningful podcast. I feel like I was rapping just now. Another episode. Another episode. (laughs) (laughs) That's so corny. (laughs) Well, first, before we begin, I want to say thank you so much, Krista, for holding it down in last week's episode. Of course, of course. I was like, what I did? Yes, no, absolutely, of course, always. Um, Apologies to the audience, because I know they got in here and they were like, what? No, Crystal. (laughs) They were not worried about me. Not pressed. (laughs) The people come for you. So, it's cool. You did a great job. The conversation was very intriguing. And I was super excited when I heard Baby Nun in the background screaming. Right. I know. (laughs) She was like, I'm here. (laughs) Talk to me. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, but no no worries. Just so happy to know how is your new home? Empty. Empty. We can tell well, we hear. No, we hear <laughs> that reverb. Yeah. Well, I guess it's more empty upstairs than downstairs. So, in my office area, there's literally a desk and carpet. I got my little light right here, you know, so I you know, got some light shining on my face. But otherwise, the room is completely empty. I think your move is quite appropriate with this month's narrative, Stunted, which mm. is about growth, right? Well, I, I guess it's relative because you're actually growing. And this month's narrative is more about um, how black and brown women don't necessarily have access to the same growth opportunities that other people do and that growth looks different for us. For sure. So now that you've explained what the narrative is about, let's roll it. Hey girl, nothing. I just, I don't know. I just wanted to call to you and talk about my day. I mean, it's just foolishness as per usual. Yeah, yeah, it's work. I talked with my manager again about what growth looks like. I mean, taking a course, opportunity for advancement, something. And it's just, it's just the same old BS. It's coming. We'll get to it. Focus on mastering your current role. We'll see what happens in the next year. I've been mastered my role. And you think after so many years of giving them gold, like improving the team and offering innovative solutions, pioneering our org's direction, they'd want to not even reward, but honor the commitment and the work that I've given them. And every time we go into a performance conversation, I, I have no idea 
what I'm being measured against. So no one is tracking my successes because we don't even get goals at the beginning of the year. I don't know my benchmarks, my objectives. So how are you gonna give me a performance review when we didn't set the bar prior to me performing? I know, I, I know, I know. But it's just interesting, listen to this. Two weeks ago, that same guy that I helped train years back got promoted. Like remember, I onboarded him into a role below me and now I'll be reporting to him in a like dotted line kind of way. But that's what really gets me. Like you trust me to train others, but continue to ask me to master my role before we can talk about growth. And I've thought about my goals. I've shared them broadly. I've done my research, gotten additional credentials and certifications outside of that team. I've even drafted career roadmaps. I'm like, all I need is a thumbs up. Help me get there. But at this point, I really just think they're lazy. They don't want to grow me. So it feels like I'm working towards nothing. Like I want to be inspired and driven and curious. And it's hard for me to do that when I can't see what I'm working towards or even talk about it in a real way. Like I don't even have that space. So I'm stuck and it's frustrating because I want to be better for myself, but the people around me don't want that for me. Like how can you grow in a space that either doesn't believe in you or doesn't want to nurture you? I'm in cement, like I need soil and light and water and purpose. So it's funny that you mentioned the growth factor at the beginning of the call. And obviously this narrative was opposite. So I know that there are a lot of people who are experiencing being stunted right now and many of us who have been stunted in the past and then figured out ways to navigate so we could either grow within the organization that we were in or we got ourselves right on up out of there so we could actually be in an organization that did give us that soil and light and water um, that was mentioned at the end of the narrative. Yeah, and I, th I think sometimes you know, I was having this conversation with someone just the other day. Sometimes it is about the organization. Sometimes it's about the team, mm -hmm. right? Sometimes, um, and I think a lot of the times maybe people don't always know that that's an option that exists and they might assume that like, oh, well, this is the organizational culture, so this must be the culture across all, ugh. so this must be the culture across all teams and that's not necessarily the case all of the time because uh, as holistic as companies hope their culture is, it really isn't always such across different teams and business units and whatever else. So uh, I, I think what really resonated for me in this story is what you had taught me when we first met, right? Because when I came out of that situation where I had been fired, I was very, very self-deprecating, right? I was like, no, it was my fault. I was just really bad at my job. Um, I wasn't good enough. All of these things happened. And you did a really good job of not just course correcting my mindset, which is kind of what we've talked about all year, but course correcting my expectations of myself mm -hmm. and my expectations of people who are supposed to grow you that's literally their job. 
And I, I don't know, starting off in corporate America, I just didn't have that expectation of anybody. I was like, it's okay if nobody cares about me. Like, that's not their responsibility. My managers don't need to set goals for me. They don't need to train me on anything. Drinking from the fire hose, right? I know a lot of people use that expression, even in interviews. I don't know if mm -hmm. you've ever heard that, Crystal, but they're like, okay, well, um, how well do you operate in ambiguity? You're gonna have to be ready to drink from the fire hose because there's a lot going on. And like, those are almost like precursor reasons and setting the tone for, you're gonna be very overwhelmed, overworked, probably underpaid, and we're gonna pay very little attention to your growth. Yeah. That happens a ton at organizations. And I'm glad you brought up your mindset at the time that you were fired. I hate that word. Fired. I hate that word too. But the last time I was like, I was laid off, you were like, you were not laid off. And I'm like, I don't know the difference. <laughs> <laughs> and fired just makes me feel a lot of shame. Yeah. I was terminated. Feel it shame. feels the same. Feels the same. Don't feel the shame. But I'm glad that you brought that up. Because there are times where we are self-deprecating and where we say, well, I'm not good enough. I need to go back to school. I should have approached the situation in this way, or I should have done that, or maybe I need to do this differently. When you don't necessarily need to do things differently, there are circumstances within the organization that are working against you and you have to stop negatively talking to yourself, convincing yourself that you don't belong there or you didn't deserve the growth opportunity or whatever it is that the case may be. One of the things that came up um, <laughs> in this narrative as well is about kind of like this workhorse mentality where you're doing all of this work, new people come in, you train the person, you're good enough to train them, but then you apply for a promotion or you want a growth opportunity or a stretch opportunity and you don't have the opportunity to do it. And I have particularly been in a situation like that a while ago, like at the start of my inclusion and diversity career, where I was the person who was training all of these people, the team lead, I wasn't the manager, but I was leading the lead of the team. And I applied to be promoted a few times and I was never selected. Mm. And the reason I was given that I wasn't selected was that I just needed to be patient. Uh. And <laughs> they never gave me any real feedback as to what I could improve upon. I always got the, you're an excellent employee, like you're so great at your job. And really for me, that was code for, Crystal, keep doing all the work. We aren't able to replace you right now. So sit where you are in your corner, continue to be patient. And what it took for me in that situation was really to stop negatively talking to my talking to myself because I felt like I needed to be doing something different. Maybe I need to change. X, Y, and Z, but I really had to shift my perspective when I thought about what I deserved um, from this organization, what I was looking for in a new organization, what success and what good and growth looked like for me. Um, and when I was able to do that, 
a lot of the feelings, the negative feelings that I felt about not being promoted kind of fell to the wayside because I was able to, by changing my mindset, get out of there because I need to get out of there. I would still be there right now, probably sitting in the same seat. You know, I think that too. I think that all the time about this one job and a couple of relationships. I think that if <laughs> if the other person or the organization wouldn't have initiated that, I definitely would have had an unhealthy sense of loyalty and I probably would have still been in those situations. So I, I think sometimes, even though it feels like rejection and disapproval and whatever else it'll feel like for a person, a company, an organization, a team to let you go so dismissively, sometimes it is good for us and sometimes it is the only way that we can grow. I think um, talking about mindset, I think one of the unhealthier Actually, I'd argue the unhealthiest mindset I've ever seen in an organization was actually from two managers who I guess had grown up in a very like competitive consulting culture and that's where they had gotten their start and that's where all of their entry level roles were. And I remember I had brought up a gap about like the amount of work we have or the workload and that workhorse mentality because this again um, was a company that consulted on culture, right? So when I when I brought up that gap a bit, and I know that the, the company had talked about it many times before, their attitude was very like, well, this is what I had to do. So this is what you should have to do. Like, this is what I had to go through. I had to struggle. I had to experience these things that were unfair and inequitable. So now you do too. Uh -uh. I was like, I don't think that's how it should work. I actually think that's really, really unfair and if anything, you should be trying to like pave the way for a brighter and healthier and more successful workspace for the people who come after you. Because I imagine that you didn't like that at all. And when it came to growth, I, I think that sometimes people have the same mindset too, right? Where it's like, well, it took me six years to get a promotion, so I don't care how good you are it's going to need to take you around the same amount of time. You're not going to get a promotion in a year. It's just unrealistic. Mm. Even though you could very well be six times better than them. And than you they were. Are. Right. If we're talking about me, I mean, come on. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding, people. Um, no, she's serious. A little bit. Um, I have to be. I got to pivot my mindset. Nobody else is going to do it for me. So I, I think that's, yeah, that's something that, that it definitely made me think of is how I, other people attribute their losses or their shortcomings or the negative experiences that they've had and kind of project them on us when we start to get excited about our future or look at other opportunities. Mm -hmm. Stop telling people to be patient, especially if they are doing the thing and 10 times better than most of the other people on the team. Stop telling them to hold on. We don't want to hold on. But back to that company, especially all the things you said, especially if you are a company that is consulting on culture. It, it was the most <laughs> hilarious thing. Like when I look back on it now and I see all the things that were happening within the company, I was like, this is crazy that y'all are consulting on something that you know nothing about. 
Right. That you are not practicing at all. You don't practice it. Yes. You say it works in theory, but is it? Because y'all aren't really scaling it and putting it into practice here. But what you said also made me think about something that the Winters group put out the other day. And I think Mm -hmm. it's probably from Brittany J. Harris, our friend. We love you, girl. You're probably listening. Hey, girl. Um, She put out these three questions that she challenged people to ask themselves as they are building systems, creating solutions, rolling out initiatives. And one of those things was, is the thing that you're planning to do is it challenging the organization's status quo or is it preserving it? And what it is that you just mentioned about people saying, oh, well, I had to do this, so you need to do it too. Or usually it takes this long to do X, Y, and Z. We should always be thinking about challenging what it is that you experience, especially if the thing that you experienced wasn't equitable it wasn't fair, it was terrible, and didn't have to happen that way, it was ineffective, mm-hmm. you should be thinking of ways to challenge instead of preserving that thing that you know was like horrible. Right. And I think for anyone wondering, oh, how can coaching be inequitable? How can learning and development be inequitable? Like I said, more than any other narrative, this one really resonates with me about the experience that I had at that company because the training that I received was so inequitable. And again, I never realized it until I connected with you, but the way that I was treated, the way that I was trained, the way that people responded to me when I didn't understand certain concepts. Like my manager would get visibly frustrated with me when I would ask questions as she was training me. And sometimes I would be like, well, what does this mean? And if she didn't know how to explain it, she would just get frustrated and redirect it on me and make me feel like I was stupid because she's never had to explain these like ambiguous concepts to me before. I think I literally asked, what is an insight? She said, I want you to craft a list of insights based on the data that I, that's right here. Mm -hmm. Right. And this was super early in my career. So I was like, okay, yeah, I think I have an idea what insights are. I brought her back a list of what I interpreted to be insights, right? Themes and topics that I, that I pulled from the data. And she was like, "Mm, these aren't the insights that I'm looking for. And I said, okay, no worries. Can you define insights for me? Mm -hmm. And she had no idea how to explain it. Like she drew out a couple maps and I'm like, you, now that I know what an insight is, I'm like, you don't need a map to explain what an insight is to somebody, you just need to be a good manager. And I think a lot of the times people don't realize that a part of being a manager is knowing how to explain concepts to people that you're supposed to be an expert in. Just because you know how to execute it doesn't make you an expert until you understand how to train others in it in a way where they can be successful and understand it wholly. So I think that's another layer of growth, right? Because if every time you come to your manager and they make you feel small when you ask questions or you try to understand different concepts within the team, why would you come to them? Mm -hmm. Yeah. It also makes me think about the concept of pet to threat. So in your case, 
<laughs> you came in, you were like this cute little munchkin who came in as your first little job. Hey, girl. <laughs> um, then you started asking these questions that she didn't like that you were asking. Like, I feel like you're questioning me right now and about what I'm asking you to do. And should you already know these things? So I, I think that in that case, she started to feel threatened, especially if she wasn't able to explain the thing that she was asking you to bring to her. So now she's been put on blast and on notice that, oh, I'm just saying these random words because these are random words that everyone's been saying and I've been saying them for a long time and now right. asking me about it. Oh what? my gosh. That is something that I see actually across corporate America is that people just... How do you say it? it's like they step into the skin of the people who they learned from, right? So they just take on their language. They take on their mannerisms. They they take on the like nuances that they use to do the work, everything. And that's totally fair. That's what happens when somebody trains you and grows you, whether it's good or not. Um, and they don't really know what it is. They're just imitating it. It's like a level of assimilation almost where we're having to assimilate, step into that skin, wear it, whatever it is, corporate America. And we go on and on and on. And sometimes we don't know the words and we don't know what we're saying, but we know that other people understand what we're saying. And I think it's just so interesting because you mentioned this idea of being threatened, right? And I think that definitely plays a huge factor in why growth feels stunted for women of color, black and brown women, especially. Yes. Right. Yeah. Totally. Feeling different. And I think that was a big part of it. I think the reason that sometimes our managers or the people who are supposed to be training us can get frustrated with us is because we are different. We are different from them. We come from different spaces. We have different personalities and perspectives. And how hard is it to A, get along with somebody who's different from you if you've never had to do it before and B, teach them, train them, answer their questions, grow them. Mm -hmm. It's exactly what I was going to say. Like it results in being stunted. So with that said, I feel like, you know, this month we might not disagree with each other not one time. Not no, even we'll once. See. You're we'll like, see. In my head. October is a long month, Crystal. Is we it? will see. Is it we over will yet? See. <laughs> I can't do it. Is 2020 over yet? Come on. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the We Are Meaningful podcast. Follow us on Instagram at wearemeaningful.co and visit our website to learn more about our community and how you can get involved. We're excited to hear your thoughts on today's episode. Talk to you next week.